Wild Bill Hickman was one of Brigham Young's assassins who murdered upon command. Next on Polygamy, what love is this? A book that was published in 1870 gave some interesting insight into the frightening control that the early Mormon church held over the Utah Territory. The book is entitled Brigham's Destroying Angel, and it is the life and confessions and the startling disclosures of the notorious Bill Hickman, the Danite chief of Utah. And it was written by Hickman and reveals interesting and shocking information about the murder and the violence of early Mormon pioneers during the time that polygamy and Brigham Young ruled and reigned and the law, according to Mormonism, prevailed. Wow. <laughs> he even admitted he was a Danite, huh? He did. That there were such things. Yeah, <laughs> they were Danites. And they did. They existed before Joseph Smith yeah. uh, was killed. In fact, they were involved with uh, much violence and killing that uh, were before the Mormons ever came west and included the attempted assassination yeah. of Missouri Governor Boggs. Right. Now, Mormonism embraces a persecution complex. I don't know if you had one <laughs> growing up in the church, but I sure well, did. There the... was a lot of pride in that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I mean, that, was, that meant that the church we were, was true. Yeah, if we know? were persecuted, the church is true. That's right. And although we can't support any kind of violence and retribution in religion or in society, it was part, primarily because of the Mormonism's odd beliefs, yeah. which included polygamy and their own violence that the Mormons themselves were subjected to violence. So as we discuss this book on Bill Hickman's Confessions, you'll see that the early Mormons were a law unto themselves and they had no compulsion against killing someone who had who they thought may be a threat to their religion or even to their existence. Of course, many comments from official LDS sources deny that this book could be true or accurate. Of course, they would deny it. Yeah. However, there is ample proof that Hickman's testimony of his own crimes is true. You can download an archived copy of the book at the link on the screen. It's a long link. But you can get a PDF copy and read it for yourself, and you can read all the arguments uh, that um, are pro and con, you right. know, the reality of, of the truth of these things, or and, and why you can trust, actually, in the end, you can trust the confessions of Bill Hickman. For those who deny these tri crimes could have been ordered by a faithful prophet, we point you to a couple of quotes from Brigham Young himself. I think this is why we, they don't use the Journal of Discourses. <laughs> I think it's one reason, that's yeah. right. <laughs> and it says, If the Gentiles wish to see a few tricks, we have Mormons that can perform them. We have the meanest devils on the earth in our midst, and we intend to keep them, for we have use for them. And if the devil does not look sharp, we will cheat him out of them at the last, for they will reform and go to heaven with us. Whoa. Doctrine and Covenants. That's a threat, huh? <laughs> or uh, Journal of Discourses. Journal of Discourses. Bring him in. Yeah. yeah. Now, he admitted that, that, that he, or the Mormons, yeah. kept and employed the meanest devils on earth, <laughs> uh, which is one reason why we think we can trust what's in, written in the book. But there's another admission by Brigham Young. Yeah. Again, the Journal of Discourses. If men come here and do not behave themselves, they will not only find the Danites, whom they talk so much about, biting the horse's heels, but the scoundrels will find them biting their heels. In my plain remarks, I merely call things by their right names, 
Brother Kimball is noted in the States for calling things by their right names, and you will excuse me if I do the same. So there's another threat that the Danites will come and get you if yeah. you don't behave yourself. So arguing that these events couldn't have happened in the early Mormon church is useless. They already admitted that they employ Danites and scoundrels and mean yeah. devils to do their dirty work. But my question is, why would they even need dirty work done? I know. Wouldn't it an admission? Now, chapter one introduces Mormonism, and it explains the religions who claim to be the only true religions on the planet, and the only ones that have favor in God, and that that claim is no new thing, that history is full of such kinds of factions. Unfortunately, uh, many of the groups who did and do claim God's exclusive favor also incorporated unseemly sexual practices, like the Mormons did. Practices like male and females having multiple spouses, celibacy, and or sexual communism, including pedophilia. We quote. From the book, it, inevitably such relations drew after them a mix of mass of social and political results. Bloody and despotic governments, absolute power in the male head of the family or tribe, a religion of force untempered by mercy or love, jealousy, hatred, and unspeakable mutilation of young males. The eunuch is the natural result of a polygamous society, and already several such cases have occurred in Utah. (coughs) And and we've done shows where they actually did make men into eunuchs because he was dating somebody somebody else wanted. (laughs) Now Hickman observes that Mormonism is sanctified selfishness. He says it's a system that teaches practically very little restraint of basic passions, that the reward for obedience is not only eternal, but is also temporal, which allows a select few to inherit all the good of eternity and everyone else will be their servants. This is not a gospel, and it reflects no humility or self-denial, but pride and triumph over their enemies. Hickman wrote, Heaven itself would not be heaven to a good Mormon (laughs) unless he could have a few Gentiles to lord it over. (laughs) That's right. And we learned that a lot, that we were going to rule over everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So Hickman sums it up like this. All Mormon sermons and speeches can be, can be compressed to just this. We are the Lord's people, his chosen people, his peculiar people, to whom he has spoken by the mouth of his prophet in these latter days. We know of a surety that our religion is right and everybody else wrong, and the world hates us because we're right and they are wrong, and we have a perfect right to hate them because they hate us. The world is degenerated. There is no true religion, no real virtue outside of us. Men are worse than in the days of Christ and were worse then than in Abraham's day. The world is ripe and rotten ripe for the harvest of blood and death and all hell is let loose to rage against the saints. Wow. (laughs) And when you read the Journal of Discourses, you read sermons like that. Yeah, you do. There's a lot of them. Now, remember, of course, this was written in 1870, and it describes the open attitude of the Mormon church at that time. That was the tone of their messages from their pulpit. And like I said, read the Journal of Discourses, and you'll find some of these awful sermons that have no business, ungodly sermons that have no business being uh, preached from a pulpit. Hickman sets the stage 
uh, of his confessions by describing in some detail the arrogance and the offensive nature that the Mormons exhibited in every place they settled, even before they got to Salt Lake. You could almost say the church took on the personality of Joseph Smith. They threatened and intimidated and even cursed the population who lived in some of the places they wanted to settle. And after laying the foundation by describing the violence and the threats of God's wrath and pestilence on those who disagreed with them, he begins chapter 2 by giving some background information about himself. So he sets the stage for all of this. Um, He was born... Over 200 years ago, April in 1815, in Kentucky, his parents were early settlers of the state of Virginia. He was the sixth generation on the North American continent and had 21 blood relatives who fought in the Revolutionary War. Hmm. Quite a pedigree. Uh, When he was three years old, they moved from Kentucky to Missouri and pretty much lived the rough pioneer life. He was educated, but he was also a hunter, a hardworking farmer, and he fell in love and got married at the age of 17. That's pretty young. Even in those times, yeah, that's pretty young. After he got married, he joined the Methodist church that his wife belonged to and settled down and lived a quiet and religious life. He even became a student of theology and then studied various religions, including Mormonism. Mm-hmm. I investigated every religious belief I had ever heard of, and among the balance, Mormonism, which I had supposed was trivial and trashy, but soon I found I was mistaken. I continued to investigate it for two years. I lived on the road which the Mormons traveled from Kirtland, Ohio to western Missouri, and had almost daily opportunities to talk with them. Being thoroughly convinced they were right, I joined them in the spring before they left Missouri. This was a great task for me. I had good standing in society. The Mormons were very much disliked by the Missourians, and there was much sorrow expressed by friends and relatives for my joining them. Wow. So he was taken in by... Sacrificed himself, I guess. (laughs) Sacrificed himself, yeah. So he was taken in by their special people, God's only favor, church claims that... Um, that they teach against the advice of family and friends. Well, he met Joseph Smith for the first time in the spring of 1842, and he said he liked him well enough. He said that when Joseph Smith preached, he considered it Bible doctrine. (laughs) Big mistake. (laughs) If he had known the Bible, he would have known that wasn't true. Now, many of Mormonism's religious beliefs have radically changed since Joseph Smith first wrote the Book of Mormon. But even at that, the Book of Mormon is almost two-thirds copied straight from the Bible. So, of course, it's going to sound biblical. And remember, also, Joseph Smith never publicly preached polygamy. But he must have taught it to Wild Bill Hickman in secret, because he ended up having 10 wives and 36 kids. Wow. Bill Hickman talks about the unrest and the mobs against the Mormons and how he first got acquainted with Brigham Young. I became more personally acquainted with him, I guess Brigham Young afterwards, and soon became satisfied he was no such a man as Smith and really came to the conclusion it was a curse sent on us that we were not worthy to have so good a man as Smith to preside over us. But I contended myself on the grounds that it was the best I could do, and by following his counsel, the Lord would bless us, hopefully, with another Smith, (laughs) with another one like Smith. So he was fully taken in. You can tell by these statements that he was taken in by all this. 
live or die with Brigham Young, but he wanted another Joseph Smith, Joseph it sounds Smith, like. Yeah. Never did happen. So he, <laughs> he obviously thought Joseph Smith was unquestionably a prophet of God yeah. with unquestionable integrity. Too bad he didn't know him better than that. About Brigham Young, however, Hickman knew that he was a completely different mold, and he was. Now, he goes into great detail about the uneasiness and the fear and the battles and thievery and general disru disruption of society and life that the Mormons experienced and participated in themselves. They were not innocent victims. We were taught they were, but yeah, they of weren't. Course. Yeah. And so westward they went, Brigham Young, of course, leading the, the pack, and he made friends and also bitter enemies everywhere they went. Every place they, sure. they went, he does. And, 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 and Bill Hickman tells about one instance where he had made an enemy of what he called a half-breed Indian. <laughs> the spring of 1848 rolled in. Young, Hyde, and others had some bitter enemies. One half-breed Indian from some of the tribes south, well-educated, had been to Nauvoo, joined the church, gone home, and it had come to come Council Bluffs to see Brigham Young. Brigham, Brigham had made him very mad, and he was swearing vengeance. He said he was well acquainted with the tribes west and would be out ahead of him, collect them together, and scalp Brigham Young before he reached Fort Laramie, that he would have a war dance over his scalp in less than three months. Brigham Young's boys in winter quarters had got after him but could not catch him, and he came on our side of the river. Brigham sent me word to look out for him. I found him, used him up, scalped him, and took his scalp to Brigham Young, saying, Here is the scalp of the man who is going to have a war dance over your scalp. You may now have one over his, if you wish. He took it and thanked me very much. He said in all probability I had saved his life and that someday he would make me a great man in the kingdom. <laughs> this was my first act of violence under the rule of Brigham Young. Soon after this, I was called upon to go for a notorious horse thief who had sworn to take the life of Orson Hyde. I socked him away and made my report, which was very satisfactory. Hyde was well pleased and said he knew I had also saved his life. Well, we can see the violence that's going, that's going on in, in this group yes, of people. Yes, you can. Now, he used the phrase, use him up. I used him up. And, and, and what and that was. And socked him away. And socked him away. <laughs> yeah. that, that is their phrase for murder, for yeah. killing him. Yeah. And, and, uh, and he did that. He uses that phrase several times as we go through these, really? these letters. But um, as they started moving west, Brigham Young told Hickman that there was people out to kill him, and he asked Hickman to look after him. And, of course, I think that's the Danite uh, job. Yeah. Yeah. Hickman was called upon several times to go after rustlers and thieves and counterfeiters and, and others who were generally scoundrels. And we read about him taking another wife. I commenced getting ready, gathered up and crossed the river in company with a few other families to await the starting of the first Mormon train, not forgetting the liberty given to me by Brigham Young to get another wife, which I did. She was a good, industrious woman, kind-hearted and agreeable. Her mother was dead, and her father and only brother were in the Mexican War. I brought her across the plains and found her father and brother in Salt Lake, glad to meet her. Now, notice that he said that Brigham Young had given him the liberty to take another wife. Yeah, permission from the priesthood leader? Yeah. Did they yeah. not have that freedom, or did they... Well, the, the leader the normally, yeah, the leader normally okay. had to. But in the early days, 
Joseph Smith and Brigham Young and others would teach the people, this is your right, this is your privilege. Yeah. You get to have the, the benefits of Jacob and right. Abraham, and that is, of course, polygamy. Yeah. And so Hickman is saying, I remember Brigham Young gave me that opportunity, so I'm going to do it. And he did, ten yeah. times. Wow. But God never gave it. See, that's the whole point <laughs> I'm trying to make, is God never gave him that liberty to no. do it. But they, they said he did, but mm. he didn't. Yeah. Hickman talks about, writes about many of the skirmishes and the battles and the problems with the local Native Americans caused them as they settled into the Utah Territory. Uh, but some of the problems were caused by the Mormons and some by the Indians. And Hickman was fre frequently called in to take part in the battles. And he was an effective fighter. And he tells of many times that he killed his opponent. Wow. He eventually <laughs> went to California and got his share of the gold rush. And he was there for quite some time and was successful in his gold digging. However, things were heating up in Utah, and it was reported in the California papers. Yeah, so he decides to do this. About this time, the California papers were full of news about trouble in Utah. The papers talked fight all the time and stated that United States troops were to be sent to Salt Lake as soon as they could cross the plains. I grew uneasy about home and determined to return as soon as I could cross the mountains. I had intended to stay another year, but true to my friend Brigham, thought if trouble came on, I could help him some. And this was more than money to me. Hmm. <laughs> so in July of 1852, he came back to Salt Lake City. He had a long meeting with Brigham Young in which he gives no details of their conversation. Mm-hmm. And when winter came, Brigham wanted Hickman to watch a group of men who were stealing horses and cattle. They were led by a man named Ike Hatch. They watched and discovered the thefts. Hatch was shot and died a few days later. Hickman wasn't the shooter, but he was accused of it, and he refused to deny it wasn't him. After much time and many murders, the whole gang of horse and cattle thieves were eliminated. Hickman writes this about payment of his murderous work. For Brigham. <laughs> this is funny. Brigham, Brother Brigham finally said, Take the property and divide it among yourselves, which we did. I got a small Spanish mule worth $75, a rifle, and two half-worn blankets for my share. Here let me say that this is all I ever got for services rendered on Brigham Young's orders. Neither did I ever receive a present from him, not so much as one dollar. But from the cause of my former belief, I question nothing, supposing him right in all things, and it not only a duty, but highly necessary that I should obey his commands, and in the end, it would prove both spiritual and temporal salvation to me. So they had control over the people's minds, adults. Yeah. Yes, they did. Just like they do now. <laughs> yeah. Just like they do and now. They it's just really... had these faithful followers that were... Yeah. Stealing and, and killing and and doing. someday and so you know and even in the polygamy group we were taught that we obey the person above us and even if they tell us to do something wrong mm -hmm. we do it because we'll be blessed for obey obedience be, and then they'll get in trouble for telling us to do something wrong. That would wrong. be to your good. That is so yeah. not true. So well, not. and the same with the mainstream LDS church when the prophet speaks, you know. Yeah, uh, your thinking's been thinking's done. Thinking's been done, and they would never lead us astray. Yeah. So anything they asked us to do was the will of God. So all of these murders that Brigham asked Hickman to do was okay. Yeah, they just... In that, in that style of Justified the same way they justified polygamy and mm -hmm. going against the law of the land. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yep. 
So next he tells about a young man, Mr. Hartley, who came to Salt Lake City from, uh, from Oregon, and he married a respectable lady from Provo. Rumors had it that he was, Mr. Hartley, was part of a counterfeiting group, which he denied, and there was no evidence to back up the charges. Mm. During the April Mormon Conference, and here's another insight into the kinds of sermons they gave, Brigham Young, in, in one of his sermons, insulted and degraded Hartley, called him all sorts of bad names, and said Hartley ought to have his throat cut. Now, court conference is no proper place for this kind of preaching. Orson Hyde was there, and he later told Hickman that Brigham Young had given orders to use up Hartley. Mm -hmm. In other words, kill him. Yeah. Hyde told Hickman that Brigham wanted him to do it, and so the deed was done. Wow. While Hartley was crossing a stream with his horses, he was shot and fell dead in the creek. Both Hosea Stout and Orson Hyde told him that the job was well done. There were no legal charges, no arrest, no trial, no witnesses, no evidence, no jury, no judge. All typical Mormon justice in Pioneer, hmm. Utah. So much for being the kingdom of God. Wow. Godly people don't do that. No. Many federal judges who were assigned to the Utah Territory noted <clears throat> that the Mormons under Brigham Young were a law unto themselves and cared not for the laws of the land. Judge Cradlebaugh relates this information that was printed in the New York Times in 1860. And we quote, when warrants are issued for the parties accused, they cannot be arrested, for the entire church and the whole community unite in concealing and protecting the offender. Witnesses are prevented by church orders from appearing before the grand jury or are forcibly detained. Grand juries refuse to find bills upon testimony the most conclusive, for most of the crimes have been committed by the order of the church. And to expose them would be to expose and punish the church and the functionaries of the church. So there you have it. That's really basically what this is talking about is it all relied upon what did the church and the prophet of the church want. Yeah. And they what he wanted, the... he got. Yeah. 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 And they would they would uh, <clears throat> cover each other, cover for each other. Again, all in the name of God. All in the name of God. All in the name of God. Yeah. And this very thing as I've talked about before, is what got me into studying the truth. It was the violence of early Mormonism, this very stuff that freed me yeah. uh, so that I felt like that I could do my own research and find out what, what the truth really was. That must have felt free. Oh Free. my, it was, to, to learn all this about the early Mormon church when they, I was taught so different, so that they were so godly and so humble and, and so obedient to God's laws and all that, and then find out that all of this was going on, really. Yeah, it, but you had also seen it in real life, too. Well, the, the, Some of it. the, the horrible lives and the guilt and the, the, the abuse and all that, how could that be God's people? Yeah. Yeah, that was wow. a big question. Now, many of our viewers may ask, and have, <laughs> have asked actually, what does all this matter over 150, 175 years later? Well, it matters because Jesus said, a bad root cannot produce good fruit. It matters because claiming to be Christian, but behaving with such autocratic and ungodly violence decries every possible claim to Christianity. Mm. 
It matters because the Mormon church itself denies the early involvement with blood atonement, and the Mormon fundamentalists especially have continued their threats and their actions of blood atonement to this day. It matters because the LDS church, up until a couple of decades ago, acted out in their temple ceremonies the procedure of throat slitting by anyone who broke the covenant of silence that the church requires. Yes, I did. <laughs> it matters, doesn't it? All yeah, of this matters. It really does. Because it's their history. Yeah. And it's a truth that they deny, but it's still there. It was this violence, like I said, and the evil manipulations that got me started on my own journey of, of discovering truth about Mormonism for myself and led me to conclude that this wasn't and never was the kingdom of God. This was after you left the group. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Years after. Is there ever anything in the group that would alert someone to the past history? Do they use the Journal of Discourses and... Are they accessible to them? or I didn't know about them. I imagine that there's probably some people in the group that did have them, but I yeah. didn't know anything about them until yeah. I became a Christian, actually. Yeah. I didn't know anything about the Journal of Discourses. Yeah. And I didn't know about this kind of violence. I thought all the violence had been against, against the Mormons the church, yeah. by the Gentiles rather than the, the church itself being so violent. And yet there was so much abuse and violence in the polygamist homes, at least in my family, uh, and I know in other families too. How could that be? Uh, God is love. Oh, yeah. it, 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 you know, you just look back on it. It's and you, very you, cultish. Yeah, very cultish. Yeah, mm -hmm. We need to do another, another program on the signs of cult. It's been years since we've done that. We probably should do that. Yeah, <laughs> we've got one recently in the news from back in New York. I don't mm. know. A cult kind mm -hmm. of a situation where people were blindly following a gentleman. And yeah, didn't he go to court and get 120 years yeah. in prison? <laughs> yeah, he's going to spend the rest of his life in well, prison. Well, and then there's Jim I Jones. just wish Joseph Smith was around now doing his shenanigans. He, he couldn't get away with and it. Not with what he did. Not with what he not did. With what he or did. Brigham Young with what oh, he did. The, the counterfeiting and the polygamy and the abuse and... Just the strange... The Danites, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The Mormon Couldn't get away yeah. with it in, in 2020, I don't think. I hope not. Or at least 2019. I, I hope not. <laughs> I'm not sure about 2020, but... <laughs> well, we have part two coming because there's more to tell about Bill Hickman. So Fascinating. We'll, we'll finish up going through some of his book in part two. Thanks, Earl. You bet. Appreciate Thank it. You. you know, when Jesus said... By their fruits you shall know them. He was speaking in the context of false prophets. And there are many false prophets in many different religions, not just Mormonism. But Mormonism and Mormon fundamentalists is our focus. Sure. Their foundation is based on lawlessness, male superiority, female subjugation, religious arrogance, and worst of all, a false Jesus and a false gospel. We want to share the true Jesus and the authentic gospel, gospel which is the only saving gospel. Jesus Christ is God Almighty, our Creator, our Savior, who died for our sins and gives the gift of His righteousness and eternal life to all who will confess their need for Him and trust Him alone for eternal life. And yes, it is that simple. Thanks for watching. This has been the audio podcast of Polygamy, What Love Is This? with host Doris Hansen. Polygamy, What Love Is This? is produced by A Shield and Refuge Ministry. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at whatloveisthis.tv. 
If you have any questions or need help getting free from Mormon fundamentalism, write us at contact at shieldandrefuge.org or call us at 1-800-877-425-9993.